Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry E, and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. This is a podcast with... Huh? Huh? Oh. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Nice and subtle. This is a podcast where two nerdy guys brew themselves a nice hot cup of coffee and then sitting down to break down, analyze, and discuss some of our favorite comic books. The coffee we'll be brewing today is called Miguel Rojas, roasted by Phil and Sebastian Coffee Roasters. And the comics we'll be discussing today are Justice League number four and Gideon Falls number five. Now, before we get the show going, if you're a regular or a first-time listener, doesn't matter. If you like the show, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify. And alongside with hitting that subscribe button, if you got a few minutes to spare, please leave us a review and a rating and make sure to go tell your friends about this podcast. So if you're new, if you've been with us for this whole journey, we like all of you. We love all of you. Leave us a review. What are we asking for? Yelp reviews? <laughs> now what is this? <laughs> we just start just on the street, just start handing out little oh my gosh, little not, links for people to get. We're to. not opening a restaurant, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Actually, for restaurants, that that would be pretty important to get Yelp well, reviews. Well, yes, yes, it would be. You know, iTunes reviews are fine too. We like iTunes reviews. Anyway, so before we go brew our coffee, uh, how's your week been, Victor? Uh, I tell you what, Jerry. Yep. Just a whole lot of grinding dog cam battle this week, man. That's <laughs> all I've been doing. Third year in a row. Okay, so <laughs> we promise you this will be the last time for a while I that we talk about this. I can't promise anything. The, the event's like over. The event's almost over. No, it's not. It's almost that over. Part one is almost over. There's, there's still part two. At the up. time of this recording, it's been over for like 10 minutes. Well, the free banner thing. So, yeah, But there's still part two. Of I guess the 30th so. anniversary celebration. Don't worry, there's still lots of Dokkan battle coming up, guys. Tons and tons <laughs> that we'll talk about on this podcast. <laughs> you better strap your seatbelts because it's going to be a long ride. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to keep going every week. It's Dokkan battle. Yeah. <laughs> we should just do a Dokkan battle podcast. That's oh, what man. we should do. <laughs> I don't know enough about the game to do the podcast, but like. Yeah, man, we should <laughs> we should do a separate segment. It's just, <laughs> Maybe yeah. <laughs> offerings to Parunga. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> offerings to Parunga. Oh man, what about you, Jerry? What you been up to this week? <laughs> well, similar to you, I've been playing Dokkan Battle too because I, I wanted to get the free uh, the free summons in. Yeah. So I needed to grind some stones, but I'm not very good at it. So, um, but. You know, that's over. But uh, actually, earlier this week, the closed beta yeah. for Maple Story 2 came of course, out. Of course. And I got invited to play the uh, the closed beta. So I got in the closed beta. So I was like, oh, cool. So I started playing closed beta. It's pretty fun. Maple Story 2. It's very. It's a little different from Maple Story 1 because Maple Story 1, it's, uh, it's, a side, it's a complete side scroller, old graphics, side scroller, stuff yeah. like that. Uh, the new one, it's like that 2.5D type graphics which is kind of like Diablo where it's like semi top down on an angle but it's in 3D but yeah. it's like that that camera view it's right? like a drone is just watching you while you're playing yeah <laughs> pretty much <laughs> so that's the new style that, that they went with for the game and uh, it's really fun I'm actually surprised at the smoothness the game runs being that it's in closed beta 
there are some things where like because right now it's actually got full-on controller support so i plugged the controller in before i launched the game so when i launched the game and you know normally for pc games you can only like really plug in like xbox controllers right but this one has native xbox and ps4 controller support which is pretty cool i've never seen a pc game do native ps4 control like dualshock 4 support so there you go yeah, I would so, never. Got, I never got into Maple Story. I never played the first one. The first ones, like for me, the side scroller ones are rough. Like I don't know. Like it just, it's kind of weird for me. Like for me at the time, it was Gunbound. Gunbound. Oh was, yeah. was the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after Gunbound, I just, I just completely strayed away from. I guess of that type of game. Right. Maple Story, I think you can sort of group it together in that sense, right? Like very a little like, bit, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, there's similarities. Obviously, it's a completely different game with very different mechanics. It's a different but, genre, yeah. But uh, like you can almost group it up in a way. Yeah, like, but I mean, at the time when we were younger playing those games, we we don't have quite this the grasp on what genres are in video yeah, games. Yeah. So when we see art styles that are similar, we kind of group them together, right? Yeah. So at the time, it's perfectly understandable why you would take Gunbound and Maple Sword and put them together yeah. obviously now we know the difference right yeah, we know the difference between different genres like MMOs and MOBAs and stuff so yeah but that was it I never got into Maple Story so yeah just wasn't my thing how, how are you feeling on the uh, the footage that you're seeing that I'm posting up for uh, I'm still not gonna get into Maple, Maple Story Maple Story too. no I'm still not gonna get into it oh. well that's unfortunate missing out on the gem am I? it's a gem of a game cause I don't feel like so, I am uh, well, yeah. I mean, you're not into closed beta, so I don't think I'd, I. <laughs> it didn't even cross my mind that I would even sign up for it, Jerry. Wow. Hey, speaking of closed beta, real quick before we get into the coffee segment, speaking of closed beta, did you sign up for Division Two? Closed beta? I have not. They have. They were, you could sign up for. for Do it. Beta? Yeah. Just just to forewarn you, listeners, when <laughs> when the closed beta for the division comes out, that's gonna be the huge topic that we'll be talking about yeah. week after week. Okay. Yeah, we played Division One like heck. It was crazy. Okay, so yeah. this is what's gonna happen. Uh, we're both gonna shut up right now. We're gonna go grab our coffees. I'm gonna sign up for the Division Two closed beta while it's brewing. While it's brewing. Yeah. And then we'll move into our coffee segment. <laughs> yeah, to do it. It's coffee time. Coffee time. Okay. And welcome to our coffee segment. Okay. We try one of the coffees that are sent in to us and have accompany us throughout our comics discussion. Yep. During this segment, uh-huh. we'll be trying to identify all of the different fragrance and flavor notes and see how well we did compared to the notes provided to us. Sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Today, wow. <laughs> we have a coffee from, <laughs> Got that spot L- from Lano Bonito de Naranjo, Costa Rica, called Miguel Rojas. And it's been roasted by Phil and Sebastian Coffee Roasters out in Calgary, Alberta. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first roaster we've had that's uh, out in Central Canada. No, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Most of the time, we get them from BC. BC, or they're they're here. they're here, like local. In yeah, Toronto. I yeah. think we've had a couple from Quebec, but this is the first one I believe that's from Central Canada. I think so. Shout outs to Central Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shout outs to the Calgary Flames. Yeah. <laughs> so, as is tradition, Jerry. Why don't you start us off with a little bit of a, a sniff sniff? All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting a bit of... A, a little bit of tanginess. Okay. And hints of grape. Interesting. Yeah. 
Just grape? Grape. One just, grape. Just one grape. One grape. <laughs> no, grapes. Grapes and it's the, the tanginess, I wanted to say orange or tangerine, but I don't think it's strong enough for that. And I'm not quite sure why it could sort of replace that. Maybe grapefruit, but... Okay. Yeah. But hmm. that that's kind of what I'm getting with it. Interesting. Yeah. What about you, Victor? Very interesting. Well... Where to prep people up? Where to hype people up? Right, I as up. well get a hint of grape. Okay. Oh, it's going back in. Yep. Let's get a second sniff in there. Just getting that ready. Uh, kinda, oh. oh, nope. He's going back for a third sniff. Doesn't look like he's made up his mind. He's questions surround his senses. And something, huh? something on the sweet side, too. A little bit, right? Like I feel I'm like not it, sure what that it is. would be like a I don't know, this one's hard. <laughs> this one's hard. I just wanna go home. <laughs> <laughs> you go somewhere, you sniff the coffee. Nope. And you just head on home. <laughs> well, why don't you uh why don't you go ahead and give us a taste and then uh, maybe right. we can do a better job there. I doubt it, but yeah, maybe we'll do a better job there. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Boy, um, <laughs> I have no idea. Oh boy! Wait, no. Okay, there's a. I'm getting hints of cocoa. Okay. Dark cocoa, like we're talking, like we're talking ninety percent cocoa. Oh my gosh! Like, okay. Yeah. It's been a while since we hit out the percentages. Yeah, and like it because because it's not just bitter. Like there's a very specific bitterness to it. Yeah. So I'm getting hints of dark cocoa but fruit wise I don't know like the, the fruits that I had before they just kind of melted together they kind of disappeared hmm. yeah I guess there's still a hint of grape but the tanginess is gone like I'm not getting that tangy anymore hmm. yeah so I'm not quite sure what it is yeah this one's tough this one's really tough tough one eh yeah it's very very tough and I I don't know. I don't know. I think you should you should taste it, Victor, and 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 see because yeah, a lot of what we were smelling before that's kind of disappeared. All right. Yeah, go for it. I'm going in. Go for it. Oh yeah, dark chocolate for sure. <laughs> right. One hundred percent. Yeah. Because before there was a period of time where we had bitterness, but it wasn't chocolatey. This one you can kind of feel it for sure. Um. Hmm. I'm almost feeling some sort of berry now. Yeah. Like a really like a cranberry. I always say cranberry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's my go-to. Well, you know the berry that you know my go-to berry. That berry is never made in a <laughs> So. Huh. Huh. <laughs> I proceeds to drink the whole cup. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with cocoa. Some cranberry lime, do you think? Because lime has like a bit of bitterness to it, too. Yeah, a bit of bitterness and a bit of zest. So what is this like a mojito coffee? Like what <laughs> what's going on here? 
Maybe. I don't know. Uh, well, I'm going to stick with cocoa and cranberry. I'll stick with cocoa and lime. Lime? Okay. Let's let's see what we got. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling about this one. Like at all. Brown sugar. <laughs> almond butter. And honeysuckle. Oh, my God. Actually, the honeysuckle makes sense. I don't know what honeysuckle tastes like. It, honeysuckle makes sense. But the almond butter and the brown sugar, like brown sugar, I mean, it's just sweet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like almond butter. Well, there's a specific sweetness to brown sugar compared to like, I guess, refined refined white sugar. I suppose, yeah. Or like, you know, depending on the sweetness, like it's very different from like agave or or like honey or stuff like that. So like brown sugar's got its own thing, but hard to distinguish. Oui, oui. Yeah. Oui, oui. Yeah, oui. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that was... uh... That was an epic fail. <laughs> an epic fail on all fronts. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. We guys, we tried our best. <laughs> we're so sorry. We're so sorry. Uh, I am and Sebastian. We're so sorry. I no longer want to talk about this. Uh, I'm sweeping. This I do. Under I rug. do want to end it saying this is a good coffee though. I liked it because the way the bitterness is in this one isn't it. It doesn't linger forever. Like it's um. Like it hits you with the senses, and that's it. It just that that's it. It doesn't linger. I don't like the lingering bitterness in a lot of other stuff. So, so far we haven't really run across that in our coffees, and this one I think really exemplifies that. I like it. So it's time for a, co- a comic segment. Uh, <laughs> just want to sweep this under the rug real wow, fast. This, guy, this guy's just, just full just, on. I'm, I'm taking this very. This guy's personal. done. This guy's, yeah, he's I'm, very much. Done. I'm taking it personally now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go talk about comics. <laughs> and we're at the comic segment. What we normally do in this segment is we take some of our favorite comic books, whether they're new or they're old, for the most part they're new, and we talk about them, we discuss them, we dissect them, we analyze them, we do all that stuff with them, and then uh, turn it into a conversation. So this week, we have Justice League 4 and Gideon Falls number 5. So the first book we're going to start talking about is Justice League number 4. Now last week we had just done Justice League number 3, and this week we're doing number 4 because it's a, it's a bi-weekly book. And last week, we're, we were a week behind. So we want to stay on track for Justice League. So what do you think? What do you think so what? Far? Wait, hold on. Let me introduce the book first. Wow. I didn't even introduce the book. What am I doing? Okay, Justice League number four. Written by Scott Snyder with art by Jorge Jimenez. Colors by Alejandro Sanchez. And letters by Tom Napolitano. Our boy Tom. Our boy Tom. Doing lots of work over at DC. I'm, I'm proud of him, man. Yeah. I'm proud of him. Lots of work at DC. So, what do you think of the book? What do you think of the book? Very action packed, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's a it's a it's a blockbuster. It's a very it's a very action packed uh, yeah. issue. Uh, not much to discuss in ways of the story. Yeah. Uh, only because again, it's speaking of discussing in the ways of the story. Do be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. So this is just a spoiler warning, real quick, for all the listeners. If you haven't read the book yet we highly suggest go reading the book first and then come back listen to the episode hear what we have to say and we also want to hear what you have to say so at any point if you want to just tell us about what you think about justice league or any other books you know send us an email contact at darkrosecomics.com go ahead so anyways as i was saying <laughs> uh not much is discussed in ways of the story actually very similar for getting falls as well um but uh, you know it's a very 
it's still a pivotal issue. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because it's reached it's reached a point in the story where probably the worst things that are going to happen to the league is have have happened in this issue. Yeah. So generally that means that things are going to start looking up for them uh in issue number 5 uh and they'll probably wrap it up within the next couple issues after that, right? Yeah. I think this is only a I foresee it as like a 6 issue. Yeah, arc. it's probably going to be like a 6 or 7 issue run. If arc. maybe arc. Yeah. Arc whatever same thing stop interrupting me it's not gonna be a uh, run because they're gonna do like 50 or so issues man I, don't I know. swear to god <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe eight you should just see this guy fuming across the table maybe eight this is Victor here just fuming maybe nine uh, <laughs> um, but yeah overall uh, it's a good issue I'm just kind of curious to see how things are going to start looking up for them moving forward. Yeah. It's uh, lots of new development in this issue as well. Um, now that Sinestro's basically got his whole core set up. He's, got his, go. he's got his whole crew. It's basically every single life form. Yeah. Which is crazy because they've, they've tapped into an energy that is within everyone. Yes. Right? Um... Not everyone is going to be out there with uh, with the same amount of willpower to be a part of the Green Lantern Corps. Not everyone's going to be have the same amount of rage to be part of the Red Lantern Corps, and so on and so forth, yeah. right? But they've tapped into an energy where it's residual on everyone on a base instinctual level. Yes, right. So this essentially gives gives Sinestro the greatest weapon in all of the multiverse. Of course, and every single life form has it. Mm-hmm. He just has to reach out to them, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it, it's an interesting development, and it comes into and it comes into full force here, uh, at the end of the issue, and it it sort of makes you wonder like, what what is truly the villain here, right? Is it truly the Legion of Doom? Is it the totality? You know, is it those ancients, those like guards or whatever, or is it human human nature? And it's kind of it, it's fun the way they've set it up yeah. that they've set it up over a course of just action packed scenes action 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 and then out of nowhere this thing comes sweeping through I don't think there really is a true villain no in this series you don't think so because a lot of these things aren't happening because of because of one thing or one group do you right. know what I mean like right like the totality is there and then everybody's just out to go do their own thing in order to obtain it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like there's it's the universe isn't ending because of Lex Luthor's fault or because it's Joker's fault. Right? The universe is ending because it's ending. Yeah. <laughs> because of the source wall breaking open, right? Um and then of course comes along to the totality and then everybody is just doing their own thing in order to obtain it, right? Like, I mean, it just seems like Lex Luthor and the Joker are the bad guys because we historically we see them as as bad guys, but they're just fighting because each of each one of them want to obtain it for their own purposes, mm-hmm. right? It, there's no real villain in this series, which is why I I kind of enjoy it, yeah, 
because you also understand things from everybody's perspective a little bit right i mean there's still there's still bad guys there's still bad guys doing bad things yeah but they're not the reason for things panning out the way that they're panning out right okay right so yeah it just happens to be two opposing forces exactly at the same exactly right? right yeah and it's it's interesting you brought that up because we still we don't truly know the motives behind what the Legion of Doom is trying to do. Yeah, we still don't get it. Yeah, like they're just there. They're, they're yeah. like, hey, sort the the energy. It's a hundred percent now. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> a, there was a hint when they were charging up the energy. Yeah. <laughs> there was a hint of Bobbity. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Right, it's like as they were charging, it's like no, you're gonna keep powering it, and the Vegeta was like fighting Goku. He just keeps powering it, and it's just like no, stop. Same thing happening here. It's like Flash, stop, stop running. <laughs> it's like no, I gotta outrace this turtle. Yeah. <laughs> gotta outrace the Still Force. The Still Force. Yeah, that makes sense, going. Flash. <laughs> and he keeps going. He's powering it up, and then there's a guy in the back. He's just like it's fully charged, and that's exactly what it feels like here. Yeah. <laughs> And then out comes Majin Buu. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ultimate villain. Imagine that's that's like the villain here. The totality is Majin Buu. Yeah. That'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine? Buu no like totality. <laughs> <laughs> Buu turns totality into cookie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Alright, so anyways, enough about Dragon Ball. Um <laughs> In this issue there was a there was a point here where John Stewart and Cyborg. Yes. Was with Cyborg, right? Yeah, yeah it was with Cyborg. They were both fighting uh, Sinestro. Mm-hmm. And Sinestro essentially overpowers John Stewart and shatters his ring. Yes. Shatters the green ring. Right before doing so, he said something pretty interesting. He said, You think your will is stronger than the ugliness inside. Mm-hmm. And then at which point then he powers on the attack and shoots it right back at Cyborg and shatters his ring. Yeah. And basically letting the the ultraviolet energy take over. Mm-hmm. Right. And he and what he said afterwards and he said uh he fused ultraviolet light with the last remaining cells of his body. So yeah. he's basically permanently part of the ultraviolet core. So the the Green Lantern ring shattered. Mm-hmm. John Stewart's no longer a Green Lantern. And he's basically a permanent fixture for the ultraviolet core. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think that means for the character going forward? Because there was, uh, I think you brought up an interesting point um, that I see here. It's he still has control over himself. Yeah, like which nobody else has. Yeah, and even before, like previous incarnations of him, part of the Ultraviolet Core, he never had control. Yeah, this is the first time we see that he retained control. What do you think that means? It can mean a couple of things, yeah. right? And the and the reason why I, I I've made that as a note is because, I mean, does that mean that the ultraviolet corpse have has the same potential for good as it does for evil, mm-hmm. right? Because Sinestro also has maintained control, right? You know what I mean? Like I I mean they say he has a suit on that can help manifest that spe- that uh, the spectrum, but. John Stewart doesn't have that suit and he's still able to maintain control. Mm-hmm. So to me that tells me that 
Jon Stewart could potentially become the champion of the ultraviolet spectrum, right? Um, how that plays out, I'm not too sure. I don't imagine that that they're gonna use him as a what's that what's that term they use in wrestling when uh, somebody was good and then they they turn him to bad for the sake of the story. Uh, giving someone a heel turn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that John Stewart is going to become. You the don't heel. think he's got a heel turn? Not again. <laughs> well, because he already heels. Because he already heel turned yeah. before. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they'll heel turn him again. And he gets smacked back into face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that um, John Stewart is going to find a way to channel the ultraviolet spectrum into something for good, right? Because right, okay. when you really think about it, like shame and and uh, self loathing and all those emotions, like they're they're not good emotions but you can channel those emotions to do to do something better with them right do you know what i mean they can become motivators they can become motivators yeah. right so i think that that's the direction that john stewart's gonna go i could very well be wrong mm-hmm. most of the time i am but uh um, that's what i foresee is going to happen with john stewart moving forward okay. as a as a member of the ultraviolet corpse yeah and just as just as everyone has the capacity to to have underlying like evil in them like underlying shame and self-loathing and anger and whatever they also have the capacity to have underlying goodness in them right everybody has the capacity for that so he might very well be the first vessel to to sort of break out of the mold because so far the emotions of what Scott Setter has written in here about what the ultraviolet court is made of is very much about the ugliness inside but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, exactly. Right? Everybody has the capacity for good. Because when you think about it, the ultraviolet corpse, and I mean, as a spectrum in general, is very undefined. Yes. Like, all all they define it as is um, the uncommon emotions, mm-hmm. right? But there's also good uncommon emotions as well. Yes. Right? Like, um, let's think of a random good one. Um, like, let's say, for example... Uh, pride or or empathy? or empathy yeah um when you're happy for someone that could be an emotion too right okay right uh like there's a lot of good uncommon emotions as well so i think that uh, you know john stewart could be the champion for the good uncommon emotions mm-hmm. and then again it'll be just a battle against sinestro yeah Right, who's championing just the, two guys shooting beams at each yeah, other? Yeah, it'll, it'll just be green versus yellow <laughs> again, right? But on the same spectrum, but on you know the extremes of of the same spectrum. Yeah, for sure. By the way, listeners, if you hear like a, a crazy beat going on in the background, <laughs> uh, I think there's a party happening outside. I'm not too sure, but you know, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring it up. I was like, yeah. I hope you don't think that this is our heartbeat or anything. <laughs> just, just, just thumping onto the cast. But if that was my heartbeat, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you got a party going on in your body. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So that party, I think it's down the street. I don't know. But uh, now there's a there's a backdrop beat to our podcast. That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, so. What I wanted to ask you about, uh, in terms of just something that that well, basically that line that Sinestro said, yeah, um, I think it's pretty ripe for discussion. Um, 
does determination because he's asked he's talking about you think your will is stronger than the ugliness inside yeah. does determination actually decide or change the outcome of who you are or who you will become of course you think so absolutely right if i'm determined to become a person that i want to be mm-hmm. then what's what's to stop me from from doing that Right, like it's not like who I am is determined by who you were, who you, who I was, exactly. Right, yeah. who I was plays a big part of it. But moving forward, if I want to change who I, who I become or who I want to be, is that the ice cream truck? Oh my oh, god, it the ice cream truck! I can't believe we're stuck in here. I can't believe I'm stuck in here talking to you while there's what? an ice cream truck outside. Guy, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I was gonna say the same thing. Oh, I'm always I'm always excited about soft serve ice cream. Soft serve ice cream is the it's best. The, it's the best. It is especially you get that chocolate dip and get a little bit of. Oh. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh... So does determination. <laughs> like, there's nothing. Who, to... Yeah, who you were, I guess, can define who you will become. Um, but do you think that underneath we're still sort of shaped by what we were, and that's why it's fueling the determination to become something else i think well that's the whole thing i think what sinestro is getting at is a lot of self-loathing and a lot of the ugliness that's inside of us the the side of us that we don't like too much Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with our past right like how many how many times have you done something stupid and then you look back and you go oh i was so stupid yeah or like oh like can't believe i did that sort of thing right yeah that's a lot of that's where a lot of the self-loathe comes from right but you can you can get past that you don't have to be that person forever Mm -hmm. right and and i think having john stewart as an ultraviolet uh corpse member is very fitting because now he can use this and get past his own self, his own self loathing of Zanshi, right? Yeah, what happened on Zanshi exactly? So yeah. I think that's probably where where they're gonna go with it. Um, well, they've made mention of Zanshi a lot of times in here, yeah. And I think that was like the big thing of why Martian Manhunters in it as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're so, very they're very meticulous about who they picked for the for this roster yeah. for Justice League. So yeah, so again, I, I imagine that they'll probably use him being an Ultraviolet Corps member and using that energy to allow him to determine himself out of his self-loathing and, and what he did in Zanshi. Yeah. That would be interesting. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, because the reason why I bring up this topic specifically is uh, just that just happened on the news. Um, I'm not sure if you heard the, uh, the whole thing that happened with James Gunn. No. Okay, so James Gunn, the director... Oh yes, uh, I have heard this. Oh, you have heard. Okay. I have, but but give a, a brief breakdown because okay, I'm yeah. sure not everybody's heard it. So James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, uh, recently unseated, I guess, or oh, I guess just straight up fired. Recently fired by Disney because of his old tweets resurfacing. Mm-hmm. Those tweets were fairly offensive. Okay. Um, because he talked about some some pretty you know some pretty sensitive topics right and he sort of joked about them um because at the time he was a very he was a part of that like provocative culture right 
of like saying things to be provocative. So he had made a series of tweets that, you know, were quite insensitive. They were quite immature. Right. Um, but those were like those were from about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Recently resurfaced. Somebody dug them up. Somebody intentionally went and dug them up. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been fired from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's no longer part of the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, he made he made a statement. He apologized for them. He's like, I apologize for the things I've done in the past and blah blah blah. And you know, I, I perfectly respect the decision Disney has made for the things I've done in the past. Right. But he he was a little he kind of danced around it too, which is which I found was kind of hilarious, but. The reason why I bring this up is because do you think we're in a culture where we can't escape our past because of the way we digitized our lives? That even if you choose to atone for who you are, even if you choose to be different from what you used to be, do you think eventually that catches up to you? And I think and I find it interesting that this issue came out now. Yeah. At around this time and yeah. actually lined up with this sort of news that broke broke out because as I was reading it, that's what I was thinking about was, do people actually have the opportunity or have the capacity to change and whether or not it matters? Yeah, I mean, of course we all have the capacity to change and become better people, right? Um, it, it does matter because, you know, a lot of, you still have to do good now. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean, right? Like, it's not like, it's not like you you've made a mistake and then all of a sudden you're just branded as a particular person and then that's the only person you can be for the rest of your life. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody makes mistakes. Um but in this particular case, I mean it's rough. I don't think he should have been fired for something he did 10 years ago. But again, like you're free to say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But you know, you also have to be free to, to to face the consequences too. Unfortunately, yeah, right. That's just how it is. It's just like I know it's a different scale, but if somebody murdered somebody thirty years ago, and then they they completely change their life around, completely different person, they still have to be held responsible for that murder they did thirty years ago. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Like I know it's a completely different scale. And I know it affects people on 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 a different level as well, but I think the parallels are there, right? Yeah, yeah, for like sure. You still you still have to pay for your mistakes, even no no matter how long ago they happened, and you just you just gotta keep rolling with it and 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 become the the best person that you can be, right? right? Um, you know you can you can draw those same parallels with John Stewart as well. Like he made the mistake on Zanshi. Yeah, you know, and and he knows it, and now it's up to him to escape that definition of himself. Yeah, right, and and to to ensure that he's a better warrior moving forward, right, and a better protector moving forward, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, no, I just it, I I found I found the topic to be really interesting because mm-hmm. it. It touches on a lot of things, especially with that event happening, right. um, with that situation happening with James. It it brings out a lot of interesting talking points, particularly to what Sinestro is proclaiming here, right? Right, because what if he's really onto something? What if he's mm-hmm. really talking about the fact that it's just no matter what happens, no matter how much you try to change your inner self, what you've done 
the things that you have in your past, like those things will always eventually catch up to you. So they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll catch up to you eventually. It does for everybody, regardless. Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, disregard this issue for a second. Let's talk about real life. Like, yeah, like things are going to catch up to you eventually, right? And, you know, you're not going to be able to hide things forever, right? The best thing you can do is just own up to it. Mm-hmm. Own up to it. Whatever happens, happens. And then just be the better person moving forward, right? I mean, I know James in his statement mentioned that yeah like i I haven't been that person for a while now yeah but you know i'm still gonna apologize for it and that's that's the best you can do yeah right that's the best you can do unfortunately i mean it sucks that they let him go from from gog um because he was a fantastic director for that series yeah i think so but um you know it is what it is uh everybody's gonna move on uh, and hopefully, hopefully they'll find a director that was just as good. Hopefully, and hopefully. and I know that some that somewhere down the line somebody else is gonna pick him up to be a director for another movie or series or whatever the case is, right? Yeah, but that's the thing. I I don't know. I don't know because I feel like things like this that that happen that gets totally blown on social media, gets yeah. blown on yeah. digital you know mm-hmm. platforms. I feel like that stays with you like i don't know it, if people it, it can does come back from it this. does right but uh, well if, of course they do look at kobe bryant but kobe bryant this didn't explode in this era like what ha- what kobe bryant did didn't explode in this no, era but I, mean, I feel like if it got exposed in this era kobe bryant's done no i don't think so for sure like to be to be honest like like i know we're detracting from the main topic here uh, a little bit but I mean social, like social media was still kind of a thing back then yeah but right and you know but not not to the point now like not not to the point where it's just like there's actually definitions coined for certain cultures on social media like outrage culture like nah. it's not to that point I don't think back I mean, what's, then what's a recent example what would be a recent example other than James I'm trying to think like people, people have being, people have come back from this but that's I'm trying to think of examples yeah. for pe- things that happened to people recently and it's hard to find them I don't know it, it depends also depends on how outrageous the thing you did is as well yeah do you know what I mean like like uh, like what Chris Brown did that was pretty outrageous like he's he's still making music people still listen to him people still yeah. buy his music but he He's always sort of branded in a particular way now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because he's also was never he wasn't very super apologetic about it. I know he went on a couple of interviews and was like, Yeah, like I shouldn't have done this, blah, 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 blah. But it's almost like he was forcing himself to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people saw right through that. With James in this particular situation, it happened so long ago. Like, Disney is one of those companies that always tries their best to protect their particular image. Right. Right? Even though they probably knew that this happened so long ago and it was and it's so ridiculous that that they have to fire him, they still had to fire him. Yeah. Right? Just be- but it's crazy that see, like that's the thing. It's crazy that 
you would think Disney just found out. Yeah. But there's no way. Yeah, they must have Disney's done their research. Disney's such res- a powerful corporation. They must have, they, done they their must have known. Yeah. And 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 again, like it's it's they know it's ridiculous. They have to know it's ridiculous, but But they have to they do it. They have to do it, image, right? right? And yeah. and and James understands that, right? Because when you sign up with Disney in any shape or form, you have to be a particular way, mm-hmm. right? Like you you cannot stray from Disney's ideal image of you. As soon right. as you do that, Disney's going to drop you because they have no choice. Yeah. Right? Behind the scenes, they'll probably forgive you and they'll probably then they'll probably go, "Yeah, like it is what it is." But outside, they they have to portray a particular image and then you have sure. you have to uphold the image with them. If not, then you're out. Yeah, for That's sure. That's just how it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, <laughs> we're so far detracted from. The <laughs> yeah, topic. we are. Yeah, but I mean, it's all relevant. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's get back to let's get back to Justice League. Yeah. Um. But I think that that pretty much wraps up like our points about Justice League. Yeah. For for um, the most part. Another yeah, thing I want to yeah I want to mention yeah, yeah, as sure. well uh, is there's there's one scene where uh, Lex Luthor is shooting at Batman inside Superman's body, and then Batman jumps out uh, and jumps right into the mouth of a pathogen. Right. Yeah. That. Also reminds me of that time in, in in Metal, Dark Knight's Metal, when he jumped out, jumped out and into the mouth of uh, the of robot the he was robot, fighting, yeah. and we all know that it was a pretty good outcome when he did that, right? <laughs> so I imagine something similar is going to happen as well, and then Batman is going to start this chain reaction in the next couple of issues, where everything just starts looking up for for the members of the league. But that's yeah, that's that's the crazy part too is. It's crazy that they've gained control of two of the most powerful superheroes from yeah. within. And that's the other crazy. thing. That's the other thing too. I believe that as soon as they touch the totality, what's going to happen isn't what Lex and the Joker are expecting to happen. Yeah, it, it so. could very much turn out that the totality is a force for good, and they're just going to expel like Lex and and the Joker from their bodies. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting, especially that last panel where it's just like Superman and Martian Manhunter just and, controlled, make and just making and, that. And what's crazy too is that they made Superman and and Martian Manhunter look like the Joker and Lex Luthor as yeah. well. Yeah, I was like, whoa, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, it was so good. The the art. Let's just before yeah. we wrap this up, let's talk about the art. It's so good, it's so good. Oh man, there's nothing else to say. Like it's good. Like the the art team they picked for this book, fantastic. Yeah. Jim Chung, Jorge Jimenez, both of them just yeah. do fantastic work. Their, their arts are quite different, yeah, but very fantastic stuff. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, such good artwork. Really good. Really drive. Help. Really helps drive that story forward. Yeah, and the fluidity. Yeah. of Jimenez's art mm-hmm. is is I think what's really making a lot of the action scenes just that much bigger, that much more epic. Yes. You know. Yes. Okay, so let's wrap up. The conversation on Justice League, mm-hmm. and let's move on to our second book, Gideon Falls number five. Gideon Falls, man. Gideon Falls, written by Jeff Lemire, with art by Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Steve Wands. Now, lots of things happen in this book, so once again, spoiler warning. Um, really interesting stuff. This this issue, yeah, opens I- up a lot of different opportunities, and it actually they they reveal some background sort of like background information for some of these characters yeah. that really turn a lot of the situation on its head. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that was that was the main purpose of this issue. Mm-hmm. Like again, not a lot had progressed story-wise in this particular issue, but they they used this issue as a pivot point and as an opportunity to start opening doors so then the this the story can just run through the floodgates in the next couple of issues or whatever the case is moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, a lot of reveals some of which I didn't expect. I wish you, well, I didn't expect any of them, but <laughs> <laughs> but again, I, that's what I think they did. Like they used this issue as an opportunity to open doors so that the story can just run through the floodgate. Yeah. Speaking of opening doors. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> um, there was a situation here where Norton's talking to Angie. And actually, yes. first revelation, uh, they've gotten close to a point. They've connected so well to a point where now Angie can remove his mask. Yeah. His mouth mask or mouth cover. And I thought that was really... That was well done. Because so far, he's been... That mask sort of acts as a, like an isolator for him. Yeah. To isolate him from the world. Yeah. Right? Because he's really... In a sense, not breathing the same air that everyone else is. Yeah. He's he's in his own world. Yeah. Right? And now, opening that up opens up opportunities for him to connect with people. And yeah. I think that's really well done. You know, nice little touch. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this particular issue, this is the first time we really see Norton opening up in, in, in all kinds of aspects. Right? Yeah. Um, even with um, with uh, Dr. Zhu. Uh, uh, doing the I don't know why I keep calling her doctor just call her Angie but yeah, uh, Angie. yeah. but uh, when Angie hypnotizes him and, and drives him deeper into his memory like that's when we really understand why Norton is the way that he is yeah because before we just we didn't have a clue like he yeah. was just like he's just some guy that's that's going through a particular experience that we're just following but now we understand why he's gone down the path that he has yeah um, and behaves the way that he does um, and is really drawn to this barn with such with such passion. Yeah. Right. And speaking of the um, so we, as we're talking about the hypnosis or the whatever. Yeah. He he then travels sort of in his mind to his past and goes further and further back. Mm-hmm. Right. So when he finally gets to a point where he goes further back and he's asking to be stopped, he's like, oh, no, please don't let me go. Yeah. He keeps going further and further back. Um, he gets to a point where he comes across the empty lot and he comes across what I believe to be the origin point of the character that we know, mm-hmm. which is the door. Mm-hmm. Right. The door is sort of symbolizing his first foray into what he believes to be seeing these barn. Yeah. Right. Um, and his the start of his obsession mm-hmm. in a sense um, I feel like this is sort of the turning point in the story where it's going to finally connect like the door being sort of like a metaphor for him opening the door to the idea of this barn mm-hmm. but I feel like the door could also be a physical manifestation of the the connection between this world that they're in that the city and the rural world that they're in you know, with uh, with Father Fred, with Clara, and with Doc Sutton, with right. Joe Reddy, like that part of the barn, mm-hmm. right? Because in that side of the world, they're actually seeing manifestations of what the where the barn could be, right? Yeah. Flattened out, flattened out grass and cornfield or whatever. Yeah, and that's sort of where it was, mm-hmm. right? 
you don't really see that. You only see that through visions on the city side. Mm-hmm. And I think him finding that door in his mind, in his past, could be an actual lead into the connection to the rural part. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I always thought of it as, um, not always, I mean, I just found out this issue, but <laughs> I, I'm thinking of it more as a, um, I don't know, like, I don't, like, because you're coming from the point where, like, it's going to connect those two worlds. Yeah. Right? I'm not convinced that that's the case yet. Okay. Because then you're, they're just, that's really diving right into the paranormal. Like, it's just like, yeah, man, that this is it. This is the direction our story's going. Yeah. Um, because I still think that uh, that Jeff really wants to still keep, like, an element of, of mystery behind it. Like, oh, well, we don't know what kind of story this is yet you know what i mean but i don't know man every every issue like it just keeps pulling me in that direction yeah i think it's good that like i know what you mean like the the more grounded the story is mm-hmm. the more unsettling mm-hmm. some of these little hints become yeah because they're out of the norm of what we respect yeah i think once a story crosses into the full paranormal then anything goes and the little jabs and the little hints and stuff like that won't feel as unsettling. Yeah. Because you sort of come to expect that. Exactly. Your right? your expectations. Because the thing is we we've read so many of those of those stories before, mm-hmm. right? That we can sort of get a general idea of how it's going to go and how it's going to end. Yeah. Right? What's interesting with um with Gideon Falls is that we is that five issues in we still don't know which direction it's gonna go yeah and I and I think and I, well at least I hope that Jeff is trying to keep it that way right um, because that's what makes these little hints so impactful mm-hmm. right because then just like okay is it paranormal okay no it's not but is it paranormal now <laughs> right like it, it gets it's such a roller coaster ride mm-hmm. and it I don't know, man. My brain is exploding right now. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because you can you can treat it as a physical barn. Yeah. You can also treat it as sort of this a manifestation in your mind of human of human nature. Right. Of evil. Yeah. Right? A manifestation of what you believe to be evil. Yeah. Is showing up in a sense of seeing this barn whether through a vision or if you're seeing it as an empty field like I think people it's part of human nature to try to make connections with what you believe to be happening yeah and situations like that that happen you know with the field and with seeing these visions it's easier for people to make that connection and then assign logic to it right because really what they're trying to do right now is assign logic to something that appears to be illogical yeah right because ultimately if this is a story about a man who is kind of a serial killer there there isn't really a purpose as to maybe in that time that they don't know why this is happening Mm -hmm. so they're trying to assign logic to to this situation yeah to the to the idea that people have gone missing could it be a man that's taking these people? No, maybe it's a conspiracy. Maybe yeah. it's this thing that's happening. So it could be a manifestation of what people are trying to connect. Yeah. 
right? And may just necess- may just be something that's happening in their heads. Yeah, like I mean, a real life example would would be these self proclaimed ISIS attacks. Yeah, right. Like they're they're tragic, and, but but they're also isolated in every sense. Yeah, you know what I mean, like they're they're happening here, they're happening there. Like there's no connection, but every everybody that's watching the news and and listening to to, to the news as it happens, they have to almost related to something in order for it to make sense to them mm-hmm. you know what i mean like these attacks are senseless and illogical but for some reason everybody has to make sense of it yeah and the only way they make sense is okay well it has to be isis it has to be the muslims right when really like it, there's no connection other than them saying i pledge allegiance to isis mm-hmm. other than that there's no other connection yeah right and and the same can be said for Gideon Falls, right? These attacks are, are very random, very random. Uh, and it could very much be people just going around killing, right? Uh, but because the barn has been brought up numerous times, that's what people are seeing. People are seeing it. Yeah. It could just be, you know, it could just be, people again, people trying to make sense of it. Yeah. But... I don't know, man. Because if, let's say we trace it all the way back, if the first person never mentioned or seen a barn, yeah, maybe the barn doesn't become a thing. Yeah. Right? So it could be just that through what you're hearing, you're connecting that to an event that you feel is illogical. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Because so far, we don't have any explanation to what the physical barn is. Yeah, we haven't seen it. Yeah. We haven't seen like the, the, the physical manifestation of it. Yeah. Now, that could all change. It could very much change because, yeah. as seen on our last page, yeah, as the, on the last page of the issue, Father Fred goes chasing a mystery man holding onto Clara, into walking into the into a door into this red yeah doorway, right? Yeah, yeah, that could all change. That could all very much again change. pivot issue. Next issue pivot, is going to yeah. explain everything for sure. For sure, issue uh, will be that issue six. Issue six, yeah, yeah. That's usually an end of an arc, right? So. I think a lot of things will be explained in the next issue. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, now, there's something else um, in this issue that I think we should bring up. Uh, and I see it in your notes as well. I'm actually really glad that you put this in there as well because I was thinking about it too. Norton's saying that's where he came from. Yeah. Which is the other side of that door. Yeah. Could it be that he's from the barn? Oh man, <laughs> I want to say no, because again that, that crosses into like this. But the evidence yeah. is also very compelling. Yeah, because you're you're hearing it straight from him. Yeah, right. Like this is where I'm from. Yeah, but what do you mean by that? Right. Like, does this now mean that the does the barn exist as sort of this extra dimensional space mm-hmm. where people just come and go? Or is it a representation for something else? Yeah. Right? Like, is it just a representation of evil? And that and that the red door is just, again, him diving deeper into something evil that's happened into in his past. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, t- for me, the most logical answer, ironically, would be, yeah, he came from somewhere extra dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah. Because that's the simplest answer. Yeah. Right? Uh, but for him, saying that the Red Door is a, is a representation of something evil that's happened in his past, as ironic as that is, is a far stretch. Okay. Because that means that, again, we're going to need another issue that dives deeper into, even deeper into his past, explaining what happened mm-hmm. in during that time. And then seeing sort of the a red door that's a metaphor for that mm-hmm. within within that issue. I don't think they're going to take the time to do that, mm-hmm. which is why I don't think that's going to be the case, which is why it's also drawing me to <laughs> believing that it's something paranormal. Yeah. But it could very well be that too, right? Yeah. See, like, so that's kind of the direction you went with it, right? Yeah. I kind of went the complete other way. Okay. So... I don't think that's a physical representation of where he came from. Right. I think that's, for me, it's the idea of the vessel, of the personality, Mm -hmm. of the character that is Norton. Okay. In quotes. The idea of Norton came from that, which is to me is opening the door and the exposure to seeing this barn. Um, Whether it's through his dreams or whatever. For me is seeing it and not being able to make sense of it broken and and manifested this new personality which people now know as Norton and associate with Norton Ah, I see right it's the manifestation of this new Norton that is obsessed with seeing the barn right so when he says that's where I came from it's I the man that's obsessed with the barn the man that believes himself to have problems um, and he's he thinks that finding this physical barn will fix him Mm -hmm. because it will make sense of what he's seeing. Right. Because he he's he's not able to make sense of the illogicalness of seeing this barn mm-hmm. in his dream, everywhere he goes and whatever, that it turned him into the Norton we know today. I mean, yeah, that could very so, well be the case too. Yeah. So that's kind of where I went with it. I think the door is just, it's the pathway to him becoming who he is today. Mm. Yeah. So... What you're saying is John Reddy, Joe, Joe, John, whatever, Joe, <laughs> uh, could have also seen the barn, and then became the way he was, and broke him, and broke him, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So everyone who's seen the barn, who's seen the gateway, mm-hmm. who's opened the gateway to to enter, is is unable to make a logical sense of it, and therefore, it changes their personality because. It now changes them to individuals to who really want to f- make logical sense yeah. of it, and it's unable to do so. Yeah, well, that makes yeah. complete sense. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's kind of where I I went with that. But I think whether that's the case or whether it's connecting to something paranormal, yeah, they're both interesting paths. Yeah, exactly. so I think it will, it would just make for really cool storytelling later on. Yeah, oh, I think whichever well, direction they go, yeah, no matter how we try to dissect it, it's down, gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah, which I'm excited for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited for the book, for where it ends up going. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, do you have any final thoughts on the book? Did Norton and 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 Angie make out on that what? in that one panel? I don't think so. I think she just rested her head on them. Oh, because it kind of looked like they made out, which Does in it? in which case I ship them one hundred percent. Hashtag Angie 
just used the term ship. Nanji and Jortin. <laughs> you know how Nor- they- <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to say Norji because that's <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> no I don't think they did no she's just resting her head on them oh, okay yeah well they shipped them either way but it, it would make sense that they made out because why would you need to remove a man's mask yeah unless you want to make out with them so who knows yeah you know what? I shipped them too they're cool <laughs> I hope that skull that we saw from last issue or two issues ago I don't know which one it was Yeah. I hope that skull means nothing I hope so too I hope it's just literally they drew it and they're like oh it looks like a skull because I shipped these guys too Hashtag Norgy. <laughs> Best couple name of all time. Norgy. Oh, we forgot one more point. What? Um, uh, Doc Sutton is the sheriff's dad. That's not really a point. It's yeah, more, no, but no. To reveal. me, yeah, the reveal. But to me, it it's crazy because so far, the sheriff has always been in denial of it. Yeah. So you see the sheriff as someone who's routed in logic as someone who's routed in seeing is believing type of thing right right? but I get the feeling in here that she is firmly on her path Mm -hmm. of what she believes in because she is firmly in disbelief of her dad's views right ever since the thing that happened to her brother with her brother disappearing and with sort of with his dad with Doc Sutton going down this rabbit hole of trying to make sense of it she is now saying like I can't believe that's what it's become I'm going to become something opposite of that yeah so I almost feel like it's now this reveal is showing us how it shaped her to be who she is today maybe she just maybe she does want to believe it but she doesn't want to go down the same rabbit hole as her dad yeah so she chooses not to yeah so it's not because she chooses to believe in reality, but she chooses not to believe in the nonsense. Yeah, which makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, the reason why I I wasn't so taken aback by that revelation is because, I mean, with with same with other things as well, whether you believe in the barn or not is, is based on your personal experiences, Yeah. right? So Father Fred, you know, made his first contact with, with Doxa in last issue right and he doesn't believe in the barn but or what Doc Sutton stands for because of his wavering relationship with faith right yeah um, well it's not explicitly said that his faith is wavering but it's heavily hinted by him wait wavering or unwavering wavering so he's not very f- like I don't it's I, not very strong no like he's oh, okay. losing his faith in yeah. God or losing his belief in God, mm-hmm. right? And he even says, so this issue, he's like, listen, like, I know what it's like to believe strongly in something that that's not there, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's sort of my stance on, on this particular point in Revelation. Um, it wasn't like a crazy thing for me, right? Um, but, you know, you, you you're probably right on that point. No, but yeah, and I don't think it has very much story element effect. Yeah, but I do feel like it it does touch on the character for Clara pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. It is cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think that that pretty much like wraps up our discussion on getting involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're absolutely looking forward to the next issue. It needs to come out Um, like tonight. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. That'd be great. Although 
the longer it takes, the more suspense. It's gonna be be another four weeks, which is gonna be crazy. I'm just gonna be sitting here with suspense. I know. I'm gonna start seeing the barn in a week. Like I'll just be like, oh, where's this shoe? <laughs> <laughs> just to mess with you, I start drawing the barn. Oh my god! And then every, you, you start you, looking out the window. You, I just post it on the window. You stop this, man! You don't you dare! <laughs> I start painting the windows red. <laughs> I would be like, why would you do this to your house? Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, this is hard to remove. This paint. Yeah, <laughs> you just like like lipstick. You just put it on <laughs> red sharpie. Yeah, I just start spraying windows. Next, Jerry, why would you do this? <laughs> Start cleaning your house. I don't know. I thought it was a good joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it worked out for like a few seconds. It's just uh, thought it was funny. Ha ha. And then now we suffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, why don't we go ahead and move on to our last segment, Offerings to Dark Side. Offerings to Dark Side. Offerings to Dark Side. And we're at the offerings to dark side segment what we do in this segment is we take something outside of the world of comics outside of the world of coffee and we offer it to you something that we enjoy and we offer it to you our listeners and we hope you enjoy it too so what do you have for us this week victor what i have for you this week what and for everybody else uh-huh it may seem really random okay most of our offerings are yeah, for the most part. <laughs> for the most part, yeah. But I'm going to offer uh, Bruno Mars. And the reason why I'm offering Bruno Mars... Like the, just the, the artist Because, Mars. I mean, it should seem pretty obvious that... I mean, I shouldn't have to recommend him. Yeah. But I'm excited because uh, we got tickets to go see him in September. Oh, nice. Okay. 24 cool. Karat Magic Part 2 with Cardi B. Uh, oh. What? Right, Cardi okay. B's good. Okay. She's no, good. Say, oh, go. Wow. Uh... I, you, wow, you threw me off track. Anyway, <laughs> Actually, no, Cardi B's pretty cool. I like Cardi B. But um, this will be my third time seeing him in concert. Okay. Uh, I I saw his first one a long time ago, uh, maybe a couple years ago, and I was I wasn't even intending to see to see him live. Uh, but uh, my my girlfriend uh, had tickets to see him, and her friend dropped out last second. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll go with you. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best concerts I've ever been to. And I've enjoyed his concerts ever since. He is such a great performer and he sings just as well live as he does uh, on his tracks. So, again, I am going to recommend Bruno Mars. And if you're in the Toronto area, I highly recommend you try and find tickets to see 24 Karat Magic Part 2. Which I believe is going to be at the Scotia Bank Arena on September twenty second. Check it out. What did wait? What did you just call the arena? Scotia Bank. It's always going to be ACC, man. Okay, ACC, whatever. ACC will forever live in our. <laughs> <laughs> ACC Scotia Bank Arena, pretty much the same place. <laughs> It is the same place, I guess. But rebranded, renamed. Rebranded. Yeah, I, I was sad when they rebranded it, but it is what it it's is. Like when they rebranded Skydome, oh. the Rogers Center. Yeah, oh. yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah, but it but is. But I guess what it's, it is, it's something you'll get used to, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What you got for us this week, Jerry? Well, what I got this week is also in music. <gasps> um, so <laughs> I'm not sure if one of the previous weeks I've ever offered Billie Eilish. No, you haven't. Um, so you know what? Let's let's make this offering Billie Eilish. Um, she's a young artist released uh, released an album maybe about I would say like close to a year maybe six months I would say 
Okay. Um, but yeah, that album was really good. Uh, I really liked it. There's lots of good tracks on there. But she recently released a new single, and that was kind of the reason why I wanted to go that direction today. She released a single called You Should See Me Wear a Crown. And so in the album that she had released, uh, there was the first the first song that was on it was, um, was called Copycat. Okay. And that song had just crazy bass. It had some really heavy bass. It's really cool. But then she sort of... Um, the rest of the album wasn't like that. Like, it was still good beats and everything. Right. But it wasn't like heavy bass. Um, so I felt like, you know, from there, she only really had that one track that had the bass. Right. This new single that she just released, back to heavy bass. Nice. Crazy. Like, nice. when the bass drops... It's crazy. So I really liked it. I actually like all of Billie Eilish's stuff. I actually like the softer stuff too. I like the slow stuff too. I like the beats. Uh, I like the uh, some of the dance stuff she does, or I like some of the uh, even, even the heavy bass stuff. I mm-hmm. like all her stuff. She, you know, she's really talented. She's really cool. Yeah. But this one, like, felt like it went back to that that copycat song, and I thought it was really cool. So you should definitely check her out, Billie Eilish. You can uh, find it, you know, Spotify. Apple Music, whatever. Um, yeah, she's really cool. Whenever yeah. I hear bass drop, I always think of Skrillex for some reason. Okay. Drop the beat. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Not quite that. Not quite that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, you should definitely go check it out. Billie Eilish. Uh, I highly recommend it. The new single is called You Should See Me Wear a Crown. Awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think that basically wraps up our offerings. Um, so thank you for tuning in, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of uh, Justice League Talk and Getting in False Talk. Uh, remember, if you like what we do on this podcast, please hit the subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found. What are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to get through this part and you just <laughs> I did my best to try I'm to just, make him laugh. <laughs> I'm just glad this is not a, not a not video a visual show. <laughs> it's not a vi- video show, it's not a visual show, it's an audio experience. No, that's the potential that may come. Yeah, you're right. It's a potential that may come, you know. In which case it's I wouldn't for... have done that anyway, so Yeah. I imagine <laughs> if you did. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> Okay, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Uh, so yes, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, please also remember to rate and leave us a review on iTunes if you have some time. If any, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about the show, about what we've talked about, or if you have a book that you would like us to discuss on the show, please email us at contact at darkgirlscomics.com. Uh, we also really want to hear what everyone has to say out there, what everyone feels about some of these books that we're discussing. So let us know. Give us a shout. Uh, you can also reach us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics, twitter.com slash utterlygeeky for myself, and twitter.com slash victorjyoung for my co-host Victor. You can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics. We also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash darkrosecomics. And if you would like to be a part of the community, join our Facebook group at Dark Rose Comics Group. And as always, take care. I got, I got nothing this week. I got no puns this week. You, you distracted me so hard. I got nothing. I, nothing's coming to my head. So I'm just... See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>